Fed Juice Podcast. Cody Mitchell, Connor Holiday here. Connor, it is officially conference preview season. College football is literally right around the corner. I know you can't be any more excited. I always love when we start doing the breakdowns because it just like get reminds me that we we are so close. We are just I think six seven weeks away. I'm ready to have football back in my life. Yeah, especially or and really just stuff to bet on. Like I bet a little bit on baseball, but it's not. Most of the stuff's just like long shot yeah, home run parlays. I mean, and... you're still listening to two complete degenerates. I've been betting on. Summer league, golf, UFC, baseball. It just doesn't hit. It doesn't feel the same. It's just not, no. It does not. It doesn't it, suck me the right way. It, it doesn't feel right not having like close to thirty plays in one day. Yeah, the real sicko mode, kind of. And also weekends. like thinking about all of your future implication or all the futures <laughs> that you have and the implications for each game and sweating everything. It just doesn't feel right without football. Yes, yeah, starting off here with the ACC, Connor. Mm-hmm. You are going to lead the show here. You got your Florida State shirt on already. I'm rocking my Duke family shirt. Well, we're gonna we'll get to them later, but we're gonna start it off with FSU. Start looking at their win total: a nine and a half on FanDuel and Caesars, and uh, on DraftKings they have it at ten. Uh, best odds for to win the ACC, and when we say best odds, we're talking about most value. These are the longer odds, but if you're going to be placed in this future, you want to do it on these this number because you're going to be getting more money. So to win the ACC on DraftKings, they have it at plus 165, and just threw this in there because they do have the future on it to make the playoff on FanDuel, plus 380. So, it's just probably been a minute since we've seen anybody but Clemson have that kind of odds preseason to make the playoffs in the ACC. Right, yeah. yeah. Um. So, I mean, my biggest question to start off with FSU is: This is probably Mike Norvell's best team. Can he deliver on a on a season that could end as the ACC champ or potentially playoff dark horse? And when you talk about this team, it starts with Jordan Travis. <coughs> I know there were some rumbling, rumblings at the end of the season that he could be a draft pick, but makes the announcement to come back. And, I mean, he was coming back after having his best season. He had 64% completion, 3,214 yards passing, 24 touchdowns and only five interceptions. And he did that while running less. In 2021, he had 134 carries for 530 yards and seven touchdowns. In 2022, 82 carries, 417 yards, but still had the seven touchdowns. So you saw Jordan Travis make the jump as the passer and not completely relying on his feet. I mean, the, the, I remember last year, their win total was six and a half, and they soared past this. And if you do remember, two, this was like... Or no, you, I think I got even at five and a half. This was the one of yours that you loved. And I was so right about. Like, the going switching over from Jordan, they do bring back Trey Benson 
at running back who came close to rushing for a thousand yards after only starting near the end of the season. Now they lost Ward, who ended up transferring to Kansas State, who looks like he's been doing good at Kansas State. He's been he was the starter to begin the season, but then Benson was just too good to keep off of the field. Now, my favorite part about talking about this team, that wide receiver crew, especially with, I I don't want to say I saw it coming, but man, when I saw that Johnny Wilson at 6'7", had transferred from Arizona State to Florida State, and he didn't really have that much production at Arizona State, I'm like, maybe this guy could be a breakout. Holy shit, did he break out going, ending up the season with, what was it, 897 yards on only 43 catches, an average of 20.9 yards per catch. Dude was an absolute stud. And now, the one thing that has been a focal point for the Norvell era at Florida State is doing work in the portal. And when it comes to the wide receiving crew, he added Keon Coleman from Michigan State, who was a late enter to the transfer portal, but was an absolute stud. I don't have his stats written down at uh, for what he did at Michigan State, but with him and Johnny Wilson, it's just going to make two... Very big-bodied wide receivers that is going to be hard to defend. And the person that I'm most excited to see next season will be he transferred in last season, unfortunately was in a car accident before the season started. It's West Virginia transfer Winston Wright. Dude was a stud at West Virginia. He's going to be doing a lot of work in the slot and potentially in the return game. I think he can be a phenomenal player for them after coming back from injury and working in the slot with Keon and Johnny Wilson on the outside. And then also at the same time, they added two of the best tight end transfers. For like like what reason? Just, just because you could. You had... Uh, I mean... Obviously, if you can grab him, you can. Like, I, I, you, you're an Ohio State fan, dude. You just get every five-star receiver, and you're like, why do you need another one? <laughs> well, no, it, it's just like you already – like, Keon was the late addition, so obviously you already had these tight ends, but it just – like, when you see moves like that made in the portal, it's like, oh, fuck, you guys are going all in, especially, like, Jordan Travis made the announcement to come back. Johnny Wilson made the announcement to come back. And we'll get to another person that oh, may yeah. have been the other the biggest person to decide to come back. But so as far as the tight ends they added, you added absolute athletic freak Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. And then you all well before that, you you added Kyle Morlock from Shorter College. A Division two. He wasn't All-American there. He's had 57 receptions, 890 yards, 11 touchdowns in his three-year career. But, like, the one thing that I do like is Morlock's going to be your old-school tight end. 
And then you just have the absolute freak, athletic freak in Jaheim Bell that you can throw whatever combination out there and it is going to be dangerous. On the O-line, they do return a lot of experience. Uh, and it's very good considering like the one thing in the Travis era has always been sacks. They dropped in sacks from 25 in 2021 to just 15 last season. And with the escapability of Jordan Travis, like to, for him to have an O-line and if he needs to, even if he has an O-line to roll out and start like making the D- DBs have to cover more, it's just going to add more to this passing game. Uh, this offense is going to be great. I will have a future on Jordan Travis to win the Heisman. So flipping over to the defensive side, they did the absolute, like I know I talked about Travis coming back and Wilson coming back. They did the absolute unthinkable, in my opinion, of getting Jared Verse, who was a lock to go in the first round, potentially even top 20. They convinced him to come back for one more season. Automatically, I think he's going to be the best, if not at least top three edges returning next season. I mean, the, that was the biggest get for them. That's, um, that's kind of when you know something like special going on, too. Is that, you got guys that are just guaranteed like a $10 million paycheck. Yeah, and I mean, we had talked about it when the when this was all starting to go during the bowl season that Jared Verse had announced that he was going to be playing in the bowl game. I'm like, why do you need to do that when you're going to be a first-round pick? And then he makes the announcement to come back after Jordan made the announcement. So, I, I was mean, like right around the time we placed our 2024 Florida State national title futures. Yeah, exactly. Um, so on the other side from Jared Verse, you're going to have uh, Patrick Payton, who was second on in sacks on the team and won ACC Rookie of the Year. So, I mean, you like you have the experience of Verse, and then you have this like potential star in the making. It's going to make for a good edge combination. You do have uh, Fabian Lovett back at D-Tackle, and you, do, you added depth by bringing in Brandon uh, Fisk from Western Michigan and Daryl Jackson from Miami. You also did add another edge in the portal, uh, Gilbert Edmond from South Carolina. Like you just added depth on your defensive line, which I mean, what was an issue last season? There were a couple games that they did have to play without first, without Lovett, and some of their other key guys on the defensive line. So it's good to add depth there for when like the season starts putting your wear the wear and tear on the players. Uh, they do also return their top three tackles at, uh, return two top three tacklers at linebacker in Kalen Deloach and Tatum Bethune. Question, there are some questions of the depth if one of those guys go down. So hopefully those guys could stay, uh, healthy. 
The secondary did lose leading tackler safety uh, Jamie Robinson to the draft, who he was an absolute stud last season all over the field. Uh, he, he, like I was saying, he was very impactful, but they do return Akeem Dent so in at the other safety position. So have a little bit of experience in at the safety, even though you are losing one of your most impactful players. Uh, they do return corners uh, Renardo Green and Jerrion Jones and Nickel uh, Kevin Knowles. And, I mean, just to keep the trend going of the portal, you added one of the best transfer secondary players in Ventral Cypress from Virginia. Pulled him out, pulled him out, and like he's got the versatility that he can fill in any hole that you need. I'm pretty sure he's going to be one of their starting corners, but I mean, dude, this team is trying to fight for something. Yeah, it was going to be a team that was already going to be at the top of the ACC, and then they just literally won the transfer portal. Like Mike, yeah. Mike Norvell just killed the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, looking at. Uh, 24-7, they did rank them the fourth, but there was so many other teams that just had to like completely fill roster, so a lot of yeah, those that... teams are above them. But, I mean, dude, I'm, where are you at on the win total? The win total was so 9.5 is the best number you can get, right? Exactly. If you're going to be betting the over, if you're going to be betting the under, you're probably taking the 10. But for me, I mean, it's obvious. Take I'm taking that nine and a half, and I mean that's going to be one of my bigger futures. I would even put a little bit on the ten and just still have that push insurance. Like yeah. I only put up, I when I broke them down, I had only f- four fifty fifty games. Mm-hmm. I had LSU obviously week two or week one out in Orlando mm-hmm. at Clemson. Yep, week four. I did throw at Pitt in there. It's like a sneaky game there. Mm-hmm. And I think Pitt will be good. And then, really, I put at Florida, but I don't think Florida's probably really going to be. Yeah, no. I don't I, really no, think Florida's going to be that good. I'm on the same page as you when it comes to Florida. But just rivalry game. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I, for me, it comes down to two games. Like, I, I understand the Pitt scare factor, but I think this this team's good enough that they'll be able to get past that test. It it comes down to the LSU and Clemson game, but also like that last year's game, Florida State did handle LSU, and I know it came down to that missed kick, but it it seemed like near the end of that game, FSU kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit and let LSU come back in it, but I like that game's in Orlando. Like, I know it's a neutral site game, but that's an easier travel for Florida State fans, and there's probably, there's got to be a decent amount of Florida State fans that are living in Orlando. And then at Clemson, like, I, I know last year, if you look at the score, it was 28-34. Lot that, I mean, it was 7-34 to at one point, and then Florida State kind of tried to make a push to come back, but... I I worry about that game it being at Clemson, but man, there's just so much talent. I think the message is clear that like we're coming for the playoff. So I'm even sprinkling on the playoff. 
this will be one of my bets to win the ACC. It probably my only bet to win the ACC, but I love this team over nine and a half. Yeah, I'm taking the over two. I think eleven and one or twelve and zero is more likely than nine and three. To be honest with you, yeah, in yeah. My, in my Unless opinion. like like Jordan Travis takes a giant step back, but I don't. See I that. don't see that. that. Like this is his. I think he knows and like, like he could like when they were talking about him in the draft, like sixth. Fifth round, he could jump. I don't know if he. Problem is the top three in this year's draft class are. Well, and even when you go past that, it like he could be a second round pick. He'll make a jump. Oh, yeah. But he can make himself a lot. All right. Now to the Clemson Tigers. Their win total sitting at nine and a half on FanDuel and ten on DraftKings and Caesars. ACC odds sitting at plus 180 on Caesars and playoff odds sitting at plus 420 on FanDuel. Almost wore my Clemson jersey. Gross. Just to piss you off, but I did Yeah, not. you tried the Clemson jersey. That I tried to, to gift you as a friend. I, nope. I found a, like, a, it, I think it was just. All right, stop talking. No, no, I, I don't tried wanna, to give it to I him. I got a goodwill and he wouldn't I take don't, it. I don't want to talk about this team that much. I you you all know how I feel about Clemson, um, little I, Clemson. So, is Garrett Riley the answer to help Clemson? I mean, we talked about it. Like this may have been one of the biggest hires, and obviously, it went against the trend that D- Dabo Sweeney has had of just in-house hires. So, his first job, trying to make Cade. Get this K Kublik era started on the right foot. Obviously, did play some last season in relief for DJ, who is now transferred to Oregon State and possibly greener pastures. Um, just watching, I watched a lot of like Cade's plays from last season, and man, like, yeah, you did see the true talent in the ACC drive or in the ACC championship. But that was against North Carolina's defense. And then you see what ends up happening in the bowl game against Tennessee, who we kind of were under the assumption that like didn't have the greatest defense and could get got. But (laughs) I remember when I first thought, the Cade era was going to start and it was against Notre Dame. And what was it? Oh yeah. One pass attempt, one pick. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously there is talent there. They're the recruiting place or recruiting sites had this guy. I think, uh, I think consensus five star, but, I mean, I want to just give him the benefit of the doubt because he was kind of thrown into kind of a shitty situation as a true freshman. But, I mean, there, there, you can't talk about Clemson without having questions when you talk about the quarterback. I will say, like, I know Max Duggan had success before at TCU, but, like, the jumps that he took when Garrett Riley was there, like, now he's working with a guy who's like a former five-star mold. Like mm-hmm. I'm 
Max Duggan was probably what a three or four star. I can imagine. Uh, he wasn't yeah, three, crazy high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recruit. Yeah. Now he's got a five star to mold. Like it should give you a little bit of like, like hope optimism. for Clemson fans. The one thing for optimism that I do have for Clemson is they do return thousand yard rusher Will Shipley, who is one of the best Dog. running backs in the nation. Probably gonna, uh, probably gonna go in the first round. Looking at mock drafts right now, but also it's very early, and we know how the NFL feels about uh, running backs. Uh, I would love to see continued work in the passing game in twenty one. He had 16 receptions for 116 yards in 2022. You did see the uptick from to 38 receptions and 242 yards. I mean, just keep bumping that up. He's one of your best weapons. Just get the ball in his hands. Get him out in space. Uh, and they do return uh, Phil... Mafa, who is a very, very solid two. Clemson has a very good running back room going into this season. Uh, the group that I do have the most questions about is this wide receiver core. Clemson has put several very good wide receivers into the NFL. You've seen it with... Uh, Sammy Watkins, I know he was very early drafted and didn't fully make the like jump to the NFL that we kind of thought he would. But then you see DeAndre Hopkins, uh, God damn it, oh Martavis Bryant for those couple seasons. T Higgins, absolute dog. Mike Williams, Mike, yeah, Mike Williams. They haven't really had that guy in a while. I know, oh God, I'm blanking on the kid's name. The, uh, From when? Just a couple years ago. God damn, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Is he in the NFL now? Yeah, he, he was. He went undrafted. He was one of the kids that had the uh, like spinal injury. Uh, hold on. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm blanking too. You're going to be really mad when you say this guy's name. Yeah, I am, if I could figure it out. Oh, it was 21. Hold on. I'm sorry, people. This is just... Good podcast. Justin Ross. God damn it. But also, like, he went undrafted, but I think that was a lot of people worrying about his injuries. He was one of the best that you've had since. And, I mean, just looking at this wide receiver crew, like, I mean, you do return... uh, Antonio Williams, but you did lose Joseph Nada, who was your number two. You did lose Allen, your tight end. Bo Collins hasn't hit like you guys thought he was, or, well, anybody really thought he would. So, like, I just have a lot of worries about the wide receiving core. And, like, the problem is, like, I know he is the head coach, but Dabo is supposed to kind of be in charge of the wide receivers, and they have not been up to like the Clemson par that was set before them. So I do have a lot of questions, and like obviously that like not having some dogs at the wide receiver position could affect Cade a little bit. Uh on the one thing that they do have going for them is they return 
four of their five starting offensive linemen. But you do have to replace your left tackle in Jordan McFadden, which, I mean, left tackle is one of the hardest positions. And, I mean, when you think about your possibly biggest game, you're going up against one of the best defensive ends in the nation in Jared Verse. And he's probably going to be lined up against whoever that left tackle is all game. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the defensive line, they did lose edge rusher Miles Murphy and KJ Henry. Oh, I'm sorry. They lose edge rushers Miles Murphy and KJ Henry. And they lost uh, dude all defensive lineman Brian Brzee. And I mean, that, that was one of the best defensive lines in the nation. And you lost three of your biggest studs. Thank you for Miles Murphy. Well, I shouldn't say yet because he hasn't played a game for the Bengals, but excited. You're not going to complain. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can, what he can do. Um, but they do return uh, Tyler Davis and going to try to get this name right. Rook Ahora Ahora. I think I said that name. That sounds pretty good. At tackle. And they do return Xavier Tom Thomas, who is coming back for his sixth year. Obviously, the problem with Xavier Thomas, we've seen the flashes of, I think he was, yep, five-star. We've seen the, we've seen the flashes. Just can he stay fully healthy, man? He is, he is a wrecker, but just staying on the field has been the one big problem. They did lose... Trenton Simpson at the at linebacker, but they could still have the best linebacking room in the nation. If there's one thing I do love about this Clemson team, it is their linebackers. They have an absolute stud in Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I mean, it, obviously, the if you know Eagles players. The name should sound familiar. His dad was an absolute stud in the NFL. And his son may be better. Uh, he led Clemson in tackles. Tackles for loss. Sacks. And he was second in the team in interceptions. And despite being overshadowed by, uh, overshadowed by Trotter and Simpson last season, Barrett Carter... Still finds a way to shine at the linebacker position. He was third in tackles, third in tackles for loss, third in sacks, second in pass breakups, and tied for first in forced fumbles. They have one of the best linebacking crews in the nation. Obviously, that's big hole to fill with uh, Simpson being gone. He was an athletic freak that you could just throw him wherever you needed to but still they have probably the best linebacker in trotter and a stud in carter um they do return all four starters in the secondary but it is a unit that is gonna need some work uh last season they finished 75 75th in the nation against the pass and in all other categories in defense they were in the top 27. So you need those guys to make a step. But 
I mean, the defense could be the. I could see a little bit of step back because of what you lost on the defensive line. Obviously, the way Clemson does play, you are rotating guys a lot. But now the one benefit you had last year was depth. Now you don't really have that depth. So could see the defense take a step back. So you really need to see the offense take a step with Cade at the helm. Obviously, the biggest game for them this season, in my opinion, is Florida State. And you do have the benefit of having that game at home. I will say, do not sleep on FAU right before you play Florida State, especially with Tom Herman there and Casey Thompson as his quarterback. And I know you're wearing the Duke family shirt. Watch out for them Duke Blue Devils. You do have to go to Duke. And that game's that game's solo, right? It's Monday night. Exactly. I believe. Yeah, and that number has went from, I think it opened at 14.5, and, and the last I saw it was down at 11.5. So there's people on our side here. Mm-hmm. Which, that is a sneaky, mm-hmm. sneaky, sneaky game. I mean, obviously, like, I don't, I want to say I'm rooting for their demise, but... I don't know if this is the Clemson of old anymore. I don't know if you can just give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, the I, it seems like the trend is it's not like a steep drop, but you kind of see the downward trend. You can go ahead and try to blame last season on DJ as much as you want. That offense was just. Flat out bad, and it was not all on him. Play calling was just not good. The wide receiver issue was still there. So I will push back on that comment a little bit. Like they beat South Carolina, they were making the playoff. I don't know. I'm like I'm pretty sure they were making. They were not going to leave Clemson out for Ohio State as an ACC conference champion to a team that didn't make. I don't know because that Notre Dame. Here's the thing. Ohio State beat Notre Dame. Clemson got shit canned by Notre I, Dame. I find it very, very hard to believe they would have left Clemson out of there. So they're like one one point. They lost thirty one to thirty. I think they would have made the playoffs. So I don't know. Granted, they would play Georgia and I oh, think they would have got God. steamrolled by Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Like actually shit canned. We, ha- we got the yeah. right team in. But they could have at least got there. Alright, so when it comes to the win total, what do you got? I don't love it. I have questions about Cade, but I'm going to bank on Garrett Riley being able to at least make him fairly confident or compliment, and the defense is going to be good. I'm taking the over. I think 10 wins is the number exactly. I think there's a – I obviously like Florida State to beat them, even though it's at Clemson, Um, and then maybe drop one of those uh, Notre Dame or South Carolina games Um, or maybe even Duke week one, which I honestly do think that – I don't want to say. I think Duke could beat them. I don't think they will beat them. Mm. Um, but I think 10 wins just sounds right to me. So I don't have like an official pick, but I kind of lean under. I just, the questions at, like, Garrett Riley can do wonders, but the what the problem is the wide receiver core that he had at TCU had an alpha in... Quentin Johnson and some complimentary pieces that had some speed. I don't know if you have that wide receiver core here. 
Obviously, you have an upgrade at running back. But I, I just, I don't know. There's too many questions that I have on the offense. And, like, when we talk about the defense, yes, I talk glowingly about the linebackers. But I'm worried about the defensive line a little bit and if the secondary can make that jump. So that's why I lean under. I'm not going to have a play on it or anything. But One thing that does worry me, and I don't know if this is just me thinking into it just way too much, but when there's a team that I'm like, they're right at the number. The number's 9.5. I think they win 9 or 10 games. You know what sometimes worries me is when I look down these rosters, is them having freshman kickers. Where it's like, can that cause me a yeah, game that, that I should have won? That is probably the one thing that you can talk about with Clemson. You lost BT Potter who was one of the best kickers in the nation, and now you're going to have a new kid. Like, I don't – yeah, is that my going into it too much? But that stuff worries me when no, I'm, like, no, right like, there. Like, we – Specials be... teams does not matter until it fucking shows its ugly head. And ruins your win total. <laughs> or your bet. Ruins your – well, and, like, think about the special teams plays that happened in that South Carolina game. The stupid fucking kickoff – that they tried to lateral and give it give credit to South Carolina throughout the season. They were one of the best special teams teams all season, and they made their gravy off of some of those plays. But yeah, I mean, going to a kicker they don't really know much about it, it does have some worry. Matters more than you think. Of mm-hmm. All right, now moving over to the UNC Tar Heels. Win total is kind of consensus on all three DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars have it at eight and a half. Uh, ACC odds at plus eight hundred on FanDuel and Caesars, and just because they have the odds out there, playoff at plus two thousand two hundred on DraftKings. This defense can't be worse than it was last year, right? It could it. All right, so obviously that's the biggest question of this team. Last season's team, biggest question was quarterback. Oh, that got answered pretty fucking quick. Drake May is an absolute stud. There's a reason that already, if you look at mock drafts, he is projected to be the second quarterback drafted. Don't know if he's going to have enough to overtake Caleb. And then literally probably in like how many other drafts in the last 10 years would he be the first pick if it wasn't oh, for Caleb God, Williams? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so he was one of the best, biggest stars in the nation. He won ACC Player of the Year. Looking to be a, 20, a high pick in 2024. But is he going to have to carry this team? Well, like you said, I don't know if the defense is going to be as bad as it was last year, the defense is like talented, like super talented from like a star know, but standard. Just, but but just good from, lord, but just every from, game, every game was going over. The Rovers were getting like into the seventies and eighties. No, I know they they were they were getting uh, kind of fun to bet. I mean, I mean, UNC games were just they were a dream for me because there's absolutely no defense going on whatsoever and just great offense playing. Uh, so for the run game, what worries me is Drake May was your leading rusher last year, running for 698 yards. Like I said, this kid is uber, uber, uber talented. Stop running him so fucking much. Please keep him healthy. 
Like, that is the last thing we need is him running and taking a shot that he doesn't need to take. Well, especially now that he's going to be drafted next year, I feel like he may also be a little more hesitant. Yeah, so finding... Oh, sorry. But finding a run game that does not rely so much on Drake will be a big emphasis. Um, They do return Elijah Green, who ran for 558 yards, and... Omario Omarian Hampton, who ran for 400 yards, and British Brooks back healthy, who was kind of looking to be the early starter, but then ended up having, I think it was either a spring or a summer injury that kept him out. Um, they did lose one of my favorite wide receivers in Josh Downs, who was a dog for them all season. And you did lose Antonio Green. But they do return some production, and they did add Devontae Walker from Kent State and Nate McCollum from Georgia Tech. So there's going to be a slight drop-off, I think. But also, listening to Bud's uh, summer school stuff, there was talk that Walker is an absolute dog in the UNC spring practices. So... Like the wide receiver production could go down a little bit, but maybe not so much when you have a quarterback like Drake. Uh, the O line returns four of their five starters. That does sound good on paper, but they do need to improve after letting Drake May get sacked 40 times last season, ranking 10th worse in a sacks allowed. You need to protect him. He is the focal point of your offense. You all, I'm, I forget the, oh, yeah, Criswell ended up transferring out to Arkansas. So if Drake goes down, your season goes down the toilet. Protect him at all costs. It probably was regardless who was back there, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the defensive line does return several starters from last season, but it is a unit that really needs to be better in order for this defense to improve. Last season, they ranked 128th in sacks and 129th in tackles for loss. That is just flat out not good. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you cannot get pressure on a quarterback, your your defense is going to be out there for fucking ever. Uh, the lone bright spot for their defense from last season were their linebackers in Cedric Gray and, I love this name, Power Eccles, who each had uh, over 100 tackles, and they're both back. I mean, that's, that's just added juice to a defense that really really needs to improve. Uh, they did also add uh, Amarian Gaynor from Florida State to fill their uh, jack position, which if you know what the jack position, that's just probably one of your best rushers, and you just put him wherever the best matchup is. So, unfortunately, six players from the secondary that finished 115th in passing yards per game last season entered the portal. So UNC went to answer it by going into the portal and adding corners Elijah Huzzy from 
East Tennessee State, and Amarian Chapman from Virginia Tech, and safeties Derek Allen from Georgia Tech, and Antavius Lane from Georgia State. So your secondary is completely all new, and that was also a secondary that had talent that did not play very well. You had uh, Storm Duck and Tony Grimes, and you were 115th in passing yards per game. Like you, and now you're just replacing all of that with transfers. Like, I'm very worried about this secondary the most on this defense that I am absolutely worried about. Like, you're expecting this insane jump in, on your defensive line. But, I mean, like, when you just look at last season, like, w- like what pass rush was there? And you just expect it magically appear this season. So I think we're going to be probably on the same page here. So where are you leaning? I'm going, I think eight and four is probably the best. Like the number that I just, every time you play the schedule, eight and four comes up the majority of the time. And I mean, yeah, we haven't touched on their schedule. I mean, you start the season off with Sarah, uh, South Carolina grants in Charlotte, but you play at state. They're going to be down. It sucks because that game was amazing. Awesome last. Connor died like four times. <laughs> and then came back to life and then died again. But you have Minnesota. Granted, Minnesota has to come to you, but, I mean, who This is kn- like two different brands of football. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Going head You're playing at Pitt, Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, and Georgia. Easy stretch with Virginia at Georgia Tech and Campbell. But then, like, look at that end of the season. You got Duke at Clemson and at NC State, who has just continued to be the thorn in your side the last two seasons. So, yeah, I'm I'm leaning under eight and a half. And unless Drake May just goes completely nuclear and they're winning every game forty nine to forty five, or there is that defensive jump. Well, you don't even have to be good; just be like average. Be top, be 75th. Yes, you just don't be in the 120s. Like, be able to hold teams to 30 points a game. Exactly. 28 points a game. Just exactly. you can't give up 40 points every goddamn game. Exactly. Like, I, there was a world last year that they probably held people to, I'm not looking at the numbers, but in my head, it's like, if they could just held teams to 30, they might have been 11-1. and one. Well, I mean, shit, looking at their games against Florida A&M, you allowed 24. At, that's even that's that's forty five in FBS though. App State sixty one, Georgia State twenty eight, Notre Dame forty five, Virginia Tech who was shit ten, uh Miami twenty four. That was a bad Miami team, and you honestly should have lost that game. Duke thirty five, Pitt should have lost that game too. Oh wait, I'm doing I'm reading these or no, I'm no, no, you're good. Uh, uh, Pitt twenty four, Virginia twenty, yeah twenty eight, Virginia, they were they were not that good last season. Uh, Wake Forest thirty four, Georgia Tech, which you lost, you allowed twenty one, and you could only manage to get seventeen fucking points. NC State thirty, Clemson thirty nine, Oregon twenty eight. Yeah, just not good, dude. Not good at all yet. I'm going under there. 
All right, heading over to the Louisville Cardinals. Win total sitting at an eight on DraftKings and Caesars and an eight and a half on FanDuel. ACC odds sitting at plus 1,200 on DraftKings. Unfortunately, no playoff odds. Uh, but everything is changing about Louisville, so how does year one go for Jeff Brom? Feels like in the eyes of the fan base, they got their guy. Yeah, so I mean... No matter how it does, is like you're. This is the guy you wanted in place. So if it goes well, it goes well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I can think we, in my personal opinion, Brom is a better coach than Satterfield. Yes. Like the things I'm, that he did. I'm kind of upset that he's Cincinnati's coach, but still odd. But the things that he did at Purdue, like I think they made two Big, Big Ten title games. Yep. Like at Purdue, that is very very hard. And yep. coming back to his alma mater, like. This is this is their guy. This is the perfect hire for them. So, so first task for him will be getting his system in, set in place. Obviously, they're going to be changing from like running quarterbacks to his system that he ran at Purdue, which is just sling it all over the place. And he went into the portal to find his guy, and I think he got it in Jack Plummer, who did play for Brom for three seasons. Obviously, he transferred to Cal the la- this last season. Did all right there. Cal really didn't have much to help him, though. So you get a guy that has been in your system, and I think it, it like, upgrades this move and, like, the transition. So uh, leading rusher Jawar Jordan is back after rushing for 815 yards and exciting freshman, now sophomore, uh, Maurice Turner looks to be a very solid number two. So even though they at Purdue, a little bit reluctant to run the ball, I think with what you have in the running back room, you're going to have to run the ball more than you did at Purdue. But obviously you have a lot more talent at running back than you probably did at Purdue. Uh, leading wide receiver Tyler Hudson and leading tight end Marshawn Ford and number three run or wide receiver Brandon Smith are all gone. So you are losing a lot from your wide receiving room. Uh, leaving Amari Higgins Bruce as the only wide receiver returning with double digit receptions from last season. That's kind of worrisome, but. They did answer by going into the portal and getting several transfers, including Jimmy Calloway from Tennessee, Jadon Thompson from Cincinnati, uh, Kevin Coleman from Jackson State, and Jamari Thrash from Georgia State. And let me tell you, Thrash is was a dog at Georgia State. And if you if the name Kevin Coleman from Jackson State sounds familiar, he was. The other player that, uh, I think it was during the Army All-American game, made his announcement to Jackson State, and Jackson State had been on the radar. He was, like, one of the last, like, late picks uh, with Travis Hunter. He ends up transferring to Louisville. Obviously has talent. See what he can do there. Uh, Another big question will be the offensive line as they only returned two starters, but they did add several transfers to try to build that depth up. But, I mean, just looking at it, 
like you have the quarterback for your system. You have solid running backs that you've never had. Just like worried about the wide receivers and the offensive line. Like that's a lot to ask. When we we got burned with it last year with Boston College in Virginia, when you have to replace a lot on an offensive line, it can affect your team. But also, like the talent might be a little might be there a little bit more than it was at Virginia and Boston College. Uh, the defense will also be making a transition as they will be changing from a four three to a four two five. And up front you do return defensive in Ashton Gillette and nose tackle uh Desmond Tell. So obviously when it comes to the defensive line, you do have some returning production, but gonna have to get some of those guys to some of those backups to step up. And honestly, looking at the stats from last season, this was a very good defense, very under the radar. They ranked 11th in scoring defense, 37th in rushing defense, and 22nd against the pass, ranking 23rd overall. So there is some talent. Did lose a decent amount. But uh, the linebackers will be a big question as they don't return any starters. And it's basically anyone's guess who the starters will be. So, a little bit worried about the linebackers. Uh, They do return uh, four starters, including corners, Benjamin Perry and Jarvis Brownlee, and safeties Josh Mickens and MJ Griffin, which is great when you're making the transition to a 4-2-5. You're going to be having so many secondary players out there. It is good to have a a decent amount of returning production. But also at the same time, they loaded up on portal portal players in the secondary, getting corners Marcus Washington from Georgia, Storm Duck, who had transferred from UNC to Penn State and now transferred to Louisville, uh, Marquise Groves, Kill Killebrew from Texas A&M, and you also got safeties Gilbert Pearson from Miami, Devin Neal from Baylor, and Cam Kelly from Virginia. So, if there is one plus side to look at this uh, defense, it's the fact that that secondary is loaded and you have a good amount of depth and you're going to be asking five secondary players to be out there every single play. You're going to be transitioning a lot. So, good to have that much production in the secondary, but a little bit of questions at defensive line and a lot of questions at linebacker. So... I know I probably should have let you do all the talking on this one because this is one of your teams. So, which is it, wild after like what we did to their basketball team. Um, oh god, we did ungodly things to their basketball team. Connor, can you name me the four teams that are favored in every single game next season? Um hmm, I don't know cuz well, one of them has to be Ohio State or Michigan. No, Ohio State is not. It's Michigan's one. Yeah, I that's I was oh, saying it sorry. had to be either one because that oh that game. Michigan game so close. Yeah. Um uh there are other two are obvious. Georgia. Yeah, and then who's the other one? Uh, obvious. Florida State? No. Who? Same conference, Alabama. Oh I, Vegas loves them. That's three. Okay. You're missing the fourth one. What? It's Louis- the Louisville Cardinals. 
Really? They're favored in all 12 games next season. No North Carolina, or no Florida State. I, okay. One thing, they're really, well, it's at home. They're favored over Kentucky. No, I was looking at that Notre Dame. Yeah, they're favored over Notre Dame. It's like, uh, that was the one that I was worried about. It was like one and a half. It's it's just because that game's at home, but yeah, I mean, wow. When you're getting the number at eight and they are favored in twelve games, and you're telling me, I would push if they got upset four times. Mm-hmm. I would still push. You have to take the over. Yeah, my pick was I leaned over. This was more going to be a sprinkle play for me, like hoping that system just sets the ACC on fire, like it kind of did at times, and let them pull some upsets at Purdue, but like the level of talent should be slightly better than what he was able to get at Purdue. I was just worried if it was like, is this, is it too soon to be on this bandwagon now or does it need to be next season once the system's fully implicated? But I do lean over. Oh yeah. And I, like I told you, I got at 15 to one for them to win the ACC. Um, for the majority of the reason why I think they will get beat in the title game, but if I have to win one game, they play all four of the bottom teams when it comes to odds in the ACC. Their only tough ACC games, I would say, would be at Pitt, at NC State maybe, and then Duke. Duke. Who else? There's nobody um, else really on there. Maybe at Miami. I think Miami's dog shit. That's a, we haven't got to them yet, but it, I, unless they make major strides, the schedule just sets up so well for Louisville. Now, it does. They could still just come out and be a bad team. Yeah, because the like the one hesitation that I always have is you are making transitions on the offense and the defense. Like obviously on the offense, we talked about you have the quarterback in place, but you're also having so much transition at the wide receiver position and on the offensive line, which we you and I have each gotten burned on. Yeah, like I took the fifteen to one. I think the over is for here is one of my favorite ones. But I took the 15-1. to But let's not forget last year, I think I had Virginia going 6-0 and to start the season off because the yeah. schedule matched up right. Well, yeah. guess what? If you're not good in the trenches, it's not going to matter. But, like I said, that being said, I do lean over. All right, flipping over to team you had just talked about, Miami. Uh, win total sitting at consensus, basically, at 7.5 on DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars. ACC odds sitting at plus 2,500 on FanDuel. Uh, so, last season did not go as planned. Obviously went far from what was planned. I mean, how will Crystal Ball turn it around? Um, so, last season, it kind of got derailed by inconsistency at the quarterback position. Uh Tyler Van Dyke came into the season with a lot of hype, but fell short of the expectations. Kind of plagued by some injuries, and I know, like, one, I'm pretty sure one of his injuries was his throwing shoulder. Uh, but he also had a lot of issues with his old line getting injured and just sub subpar wide receiver play last year. Um, so, I mean, it. He looks like he is going to be the starter, but man, I'm just like, are we going to see the Tyler Van Dyke that set the ACC on fire, was looking to be like a potential first-round pick, 
or is it going to be the quarterback that we saw last season? I will say that the firing of Josh Gaddis as the offensive coordinator should help him as it, the new OC will have a system that fits Van Dyke a hell of a lot better than what Gaddis was rush, running. Uh, they do return leading rusher Henry Paris Jr., and, uh, but they did lose uh, number two rusher Jalen Knighton, who hit the portal. So that could be a little bit of a concern. Um, wide receiver, I mean, it, it's still a concern like it was last season. Uh, you do get Xavier Restrepo back healthy, but at the same time, the production that you have coming back didn't go past 33 receptions or 376 yards. So they are making the change to the air raid. So just by scheme, it should help the wide receivers get open more. But you need you need those wide receivers to step up. Uh, the O-line will be a little bit of a work in progress. They return two starters. One of them being Zion Nelson, who is back from injury. But the one thing I will give Crystal Ball credit for is he is a solid offensive line guy. And he brings talent into the offensive line. Granted, a lot of that talent could be five-star freshmen. But who knows what could happen. Uh, the defensive line returns three starters in Akeem Mesador, uh, Leonard Taylor the third, and Jafari uh, Harvey. And they did add transfer uh, Anthony Campbell from UL Monroe. Uh, oh, along with uh, I'm sorry, along with uh, Branson Dean from Purdue and Thomas Gore from Georgia State. You'll start to see a trend. There's a lot of Georgia State players that ended up transferring to schools. Um, if you if you keep hearing me say Georgia State players, it might make you want to bet the under on their win total like I did. <laughs> I, I mean, dude, obviously I go into depth on this. And just to see, oh, How that play, that player left Georgia State. Oh, that player left Georgia State. I'm like, oh, God, they might not have much left. Uh they did hit the portal again for linebacker, uh, and they did get Francisco. I'm going to try to get this. My my ego from Wazoo, uh, Rocky Shelton from Duke, and KJ Cloyd. Uh, I didn't write down KJ Cloyd's school. Bad, bad mistake on my part. So, like, a little bit of a turnover in the linebacking core. Uh, the secondary returns both safeties in Cam Cameron Kitchens and James Williams and Nickel uh, to Corey Couch, but lose both uh, both lose both corners Tyreek Stevens and DJ Ivy. Uh, but again, Miami hit the portal and got Devontae Brown from UCF. Jaden Davis from Oklahoma and Jadarius Richard from Vandy. So when you look at the offense, it's like a lot of let's run it back. 
But on the defense, like you're seeing a lot of transfer people that are going to be thrown into the thrown into starting position. So when it comes to the Miami Hurricanes, Cody, what is your play? I'm going under. How many times are we going to see the song and dance that they got these transfers in and this side of the ball is going to improve? It's every year they have a little bit of hype. I, I mean, I know the win total is not crazy high. It's only seven and a half, but kind of looking at the schedule they do have. They obviously have to play Clemson, but then there's even and Florida State. Um, and the, UNC. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm missing, that. I'm missing that one. And then, like, in the non-con, you're playing Texas A&M. Yeah, which I have a hard time believing they're going to win that game. Um, and then even the games like Louisville, NC State, because like, Georgia Tech, could they even be on par? Like, could they fuck some stuff up the new coach? Yeah. I don't really like the team, though. I'm going under. I think 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five is probably way more likely than 8-4. So, I don't have an official play. Obviously, I got burned by this team last season. So, I'm leaning under. Uh, and I thought you were going to do like a 180 on me. Like, I'm back. No. No, I'm not. Um, prove it. Prove, prove it. You do it. I'm, I'm not going to bet it either way. Prove so. it. Switching over to NC State, our boys. Uh, win total sitting at a 6.5 on DraftKings and FanDuel and a 7 on Caesars. ACC odds sitting at plus 1,800. So last season had highs and lows due to quarterback injuries, but they still managed to be 8-5. and five. How can they improve? Um, obviously, you had... The kind of big name transfer, at least in our opinion, of Devin Leary leaving NC State and going to Kentucky. But they found, I think they found their answer in Brendan Armstrong in the portal transferring from Virginia. Obviously, like MJ Morris is sitting there in the waiting, and MJ was pushing for the starting role. Obviously, we saw the talent that he has last season. Go, completing 60 percent of his passes for 648 yards, seven touchdowns, and only one pick. Plus, like his rushing ability, he only ran for 88 yards, but you saw how he could be dangerous with his legs. But for the most part, from NC NC State camp, it sounds like MJ Morris has understood. Like, let's learn the system, and let Brendan take take it this year and learn it and then next year you're the starter uh but obviously they made the change at offensive coordinator to robert Anai, who had who was the offensive coordinator for brendan armstrong in his best season so you have uh, the offensive coordinator back with a quarterback that he had his best season with and don't sleep on that season too that was a 4500 yards 31 touchdowns. He was phenomenal that one. Like, I think we got ruined by, like, the inability of their line last year, and he was that, running and for the, his Well, life. Anai wasn't there. He moved to South Carolina. They the quarter, they had the coaching change to Tony Elliott. Tony Elliott, we'll get to him later. Uh, but uh, leading rusher Jordan Houston is back, and number three back uh, Michael, damn it, Michael Allen. It is also back. Uh, they did lose uh, Sumo Ignar- Ignarbe, who transferred to Kentucky with Leary. 
So this is a unit that does need to improve, but they also use that running back by committee. I mean, last season you look at it, they only averaged 113 yards per game, only 109th in the nation. I know it doesn't really fit the Dave Doran style, but you need to get your running backs in your game more. Uh, wide receiver is an area of concern as they their top two receivers, Thayer Thomas and Devin Carter, are both gone, and there's not much experience left. Uh, Keon Lassane was the number three receiver in last year. His stats were 31 catches for 342 yards and two touchdowns. It's really all you're returning from your production, so it's, it's a real area of concern, and you're going to really need some players to step up. Uh, the O-line returns three of five starters at both uh, in both tackles, Anthony Belton and Timothy McKay and center Dylan McCann. They also added in uh, transfer Dawson Jamirlo. Sounds good. <laughs> Uh, from Oregon, who should be instant starter for them and fill in one of the holes that they have. Uh, this defense was the saving grace for last season. Once Leary went down, uh, they still managed to be top 25 in several categories despite being on the field more because the offense just flat out was not moving the ball. Um in order to replicate what they did last season, it starts with the defensive line, which returns several experienced players, including Davian Han- or Davian Van, C.J. Clark, and Savian Jackson. Uh, linebacker did take a bit of a hit with top tackler Drake Thomas gone and other linebacker uh, Isaiah Moore, but they will have six-year senior Peyton Wilson back to help assist the two new linebackers that they are going to be throwing in there. So it's good to have that experience. Peyton's been there for fucking ever, it feels like. Uh, in the second secondary, safety is a bit of concern as they must replace both of them and they have to replace their nickel. Uh, they went to the portal and got uh, safety Robert uh, Kennedy from ODU to fill one of the holes and are they're kind of just expecting other players to step up. I love the freshman. Uh, I think is uh, Damian Fagan, who is a stud. I think he has a chance to start very early uh, at cornerback. They do. They could have one of the best duos in the ACC with Aiden White and Shaheen Battle. Aiden White was a breakout star last season, so. Talking about our boys, I know. Like, we think we too much were on, alike, Connor. We were on them last season because of how much they just kept continuing to return. We thought these guys were going to be the dark horses to win the eight. Well, no, they were our picks to win the ACC. Yeah, we did. Yeah, they're not a dark horse. That's who we picked. How are you sitting? I can on tell our by boys? the tone in your voice. I'm going over, and I think I know what you're going to do too. Over six and a half. It just makes too much sense. <laughs> it's. I, I I found found it very hard to doubt Dave Dorn. That that's one thing, but also like I just expect Brendan Armstrong to be the old Brendan Armstrong. I I will say like the wide receiving core does concern me a little bit because 
for his best season at Virginia, you got to think about what he had. I mean, you had all those stud wide receivers, and then you had even uh, Jelani Woods at tight end. And, yeah, I mean, it, it does concern me a little bit, but I'm, I'm he, over. Here's what I do know is that he's not going to be as bad as he was at Virginia last year, not a chance in hell. And Dave Dorn will have that defense good enough to win, to at least get him to a bowl game. So that's six wins there, and Brendan can get them two more wins. One or two more wins. So I think seven and five, eight and four. Way more likely than six and six. All right, switching over to the Pitt Panthers. Their win total sitting at six and a half on DraftKings and FanDuel. Caesars has it as a seven. ACC odds sitting at plus 2,800. Uh, so Keaton Slovis enters the portal. And they answer by bringing in Pittsburgh native Phil Jerkovich, who actually chose Notre Dame over Pitt when he was making his commitment. Uh, he will be reunited with offensive coordinator Phil Signetti Jr., who was uh, Jerkovich's OC at BC for 2020 and 2021, where he went uh, 260 for 432, completion percentage of 60.2. Uh, 3,472 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 9 picks. Uh, the one knock that I will have on Phil, who I absolutely love, is he can't stay healthy. But I think if he stays healthy, this pit team can go far. Uh, leading rusher, Israel Abic... Oh my god, I know how to say it. Abikanda is gone after a great season. Uh, Rodney Hammond will look to fill in his shoes after rushing for 459 yards and five touchdowns as the number two. This is the part that I do love. They return three of their four top pass catchers and receivers, Kanata Mumfield and Bud Means, and tight end Gavin Bartholomew. But have a big... Big hole to fill in Jared Wayne, who was, who went for a thousand yards last season. They did uh, add transfer Bajan Reynolds from Florida, so I think this offense can be like a little bit better. I know like Izzy and uh, Wayne will be big shoes to fill, but I think. Maybe a little bit of an upgrade at quarterback. But you also have so much returning production on the, at the wide receiver position. It will help Jerkovich so much. Uh, the offensive line returns the middle and right side of their offensive line in center. Uh, Jared, or I mean, Jake Cradle, guard Blake uh, Zabakovic. And tackle Matt Gonclaves. But don't expect much drop-off in the new starters because Pitt does recruit that offensive line very well year in, year out. Uh, the defensive line will need some work as tackle David Green is the lone returning starter. They will be asking a lot of their players to uh, step up, which... They've been able to do year in and year out. Like you, I know one of my draft loves from last season was Clyde Jacancy. He broke out. You see these pit players on the defensive line. 
break out for one season and then end up going into the draft, going in the very early rounds. They've, they've been able to do this so much that I'm not going to be that worried about it. I don't know about you. Not really. It seems like every single year Pitt just has a couple guys break out and then they're a uh, top three pick in the second round. <laughs> literally what I just said. Uh, they do return Bengali, Kamara, and Shane Simon at linebackers, but replacing, or replacing Dennis will be a huge task after leading the team in tackles and sacks. In the secondary, they do have to replace both safeties. They did add transfer Donovan McMillan from Florida, who they believe will fill at least one of those safety spots. At corner, it, it's kind of like we talked about with NC State. They return one, one of the best combos in the ACC in Marquise Williams and MJ De- Devonshire. So, buddy, when it comes to the Pitt Panthers, what is your lean? The more I thought about it, like I don't really have I don't have a great answer because I think we're right there. I think seven seven and five or six and six probably gonna be where they're gonna end up at the end of the year. I just have enough confidence in their defense and I like Phil Dracovich and he ha- but he has to stay healthy, which that also scares me. But I would lean over. It's definitely something I'm not gonna bet, mostly because I just am nervous with Dracovich and his health. Throwing caution to the wind, I am betting the over six and a half. Obviously, I am one of the biggest guys sitting at this table for Phil Dracovich. I was about to say one of the biggest uh, Phil Dracovich fans, but there's probably a lot of people that like him a lot more than I do. But I loved him when he made the move to BC. I'm hoping that he finds greener pastures at Pitt, but I, I'm taking the over. All right, heading over to Cody's. Actual team, the Duke Blue Devils. Win total sitting at a six at Caesars and a six and a half at DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, ACC at plus three seventy or plus three thousand seven hundred at FanDuel. I mean, this was one of the biggest surprise teams from last season. Mike Elko turned that. Yeah, team I'm pretty around. sure when we did this last year, I had to like, I was like. Trying to talk yourself talking to go yeah to going over and I think the win total was not even a bowl game it was like four and a half or something like that I mean that was one of the quickest like obviously it's it got overshadowed by TCU's turnaround yeah but I mean that and it was on par with the Kansas turnaround I mean there were a lot of turnarounds last year and Duke kind of got a little bit lost but there's a lot of reason for optimism you get to start off like Riley Leonard's jump was. A giant portion of that. Yeah, like he took he, he took the starting role in the offseason and just never looked back. Going 250 for 30, 391, completion percentage of 63.9%, 2,967 yards, 20 picks, and 6 INTs, while rushing for 699 yards and 13 touchdowns. I mean... Dude was a dog. Uh, despite Leonard being the leading rusher, they do return their top two running backs in Jordan Waters and Jalen Coleman. Uh, also look for Jar- Jarquez uh, more to get more work. Uh, Duke also returns damn near all of their pass catchers, including Jalen Calhoun, Eli Pankle, 
and converted quarterback Jordan Moore, who went from battling Leonard last season to catching passes from him last season. Like, the, the, the unselfishness of that is something big, and, like, you're wearing the Duke family shirt. Like Granted, this is the basketball team. But. but still, that yeah. that commodity, like, okay, I'm not going to be the quarterback. What can I do to make an impact on this team? And, I mean, he did very well. Uh, the O-line returns three of five starters in center. Jacob Monk, guard Marquise uh, McIntyre, and tackle Graham Barton, who has been talked to be a first-round pick. Uh, they did also, surprisingly enough, add transfers on the o- offensive line. Uh, the defense under Mike Elko may have been the craziest part of the turnaround. In 2021, their ga- points per game was at 39.8, and they were averaging 516.8 yards per game. In 2022, that dropped to 22.1 points per game and 378.2 yards per game. Uh, this is a defense that will, has to replace three starters, and but they do bring back their whole defensive line, will, which will help them so much. Uh, at linebacker, they have to replace number two tackler Shaka Hayward, but they will have former transfer Cam Dillon, who should see a lot more action and possibly fill that spot. I believe Dillon was a transfer from the Ivy League. Uh, the secondary has to replace leading tackler safety uh, Darius Joyner, which could be t- a tough task. Uh, look for Brandon Johnson to possibly fill that role. They do bring back both corners in Chandler Rivers and Joshua Pickett. And they added transfers Al Blades Jr. from Miami and Miles Jones from Texas A&M. Like, I think this defense, there's not going to be that much of a drop-off. And there's reason to believe that because you return so much on that offense that it's just going to continue to get better. So, when it comes to the Duke Blue Devils, Cody, where are you at? You can't make me pick. All right, I'll make it easy. It's over six. Is it over six? It's over six. It's over six. Here's the here's the problem. They play six of the top seven teams in the ACC according to odds. Mm-hmm. That's what's really scaring me. I think his team is very talented, and Mike Elko is a hell of a coach. And I watch probably more Duke football the majority of America outside of like people in North Carolina. Like this team is so freaking well coached, and they just don't make mistakes. I will say, though, last year, when I was reading up on a lot of things, is they had a lot of turnover luck last year. They scooped more fumbles. They recovered more fumbles than any team in the country. Their turnover margin was plus 16, ranking second best in the country. Which worries me a little bit. But those safeties are like ball hawks, and they go after the ball, and they play hard. And I think turnover, some of it is luck. Some of it is just effort. Mm -hmm. So... My heart tells me it's going to go over, but I don't know how by how much. I I think that they do go over. I know it could be like a little bit of a stretch. I know it's going to be tough to go from nine and four last season 
to like we're talking like seven wins to get the win total. But dude, I just have so much faith in this team. Like yeah, I just think I that it. I think that they can do it. And if they win eight games this year, like this, Mike Elko is Mike Elko is legit because this schedule is. I mean, is hard. There could be a chance that I. Here is the other thing that they have going for them: Clemson's at home, Notre Dame's at home, NC State's at home, and Wake Forest is at home. Obviously, you have to go at Florida State and at North Carolina. But then, like after that, like I just, I just think it's over. I might be blindly optimistic about this team because of what they all return, but man. Now- yeah, I get that. But now, if they beat Clemson week one, I'm I'm calling for the playoffs. Like, immediately. Oh, Lord. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons win total sitting at a six on DraftKings and a six and a half on FanDuel and Caesars. ACC odds, little sky high at plus 6,000. For the first time since 2017, Sam Hartman won't be under center for Wake. So... How will it go without him? Uh, taking over for Hartman will be Mitch Griffs, who was 29 for 41 with a completion percentage of 70.7, 348 yards, five touchdowns, and one pick, having one start against VMI and some mop-up duty. Uh, Griffs is in his fourth season at Wake Forest, so even though he doesn't have much on-field experience, he has experience in the system, which could help. But like, you also worry like how much of the system was Sam Hartman. But uh, leading rusher Justice Ellison is back after rushing for over 700 yards. But depth can be a concern as Christian Turner and Quentin Cooley both transferred, leaving no running back with more than 14 career carries left behind Ellison. So depth is really a concern at running back. Going to need those guys to step up. Um, Leading receiver A.T. Perry is gone, but they do return Donovan Green and Jameel Banks, who each went for over 600 yards last season, and Taylor Morin and Keyshawn Williams, who each went for over 500 yards. Granted, that is the Wake Forest system, who ranks number nine last season, ranked number nine in the nation with 300 passing yards per game. Uh, the O line has some concerns as it only returns starters. Uh, it's only returning starters are tackle Devontae Gordon and center turned guard Michael Jurgens. Uh, the defensive line does not return any starters, but it does return leading sackler Jashim Davis, who did start some games, but they will need to find contributors around him. Uh, leading tackle, leading tackler Ryan Smen is gone at linebacker, but number two tackler Chase Jones is back and will be asked to fill Smen's. Uh, shoes as Dylan Hazen will be asked to step up and start. Uh, in the secondary, they do return a good amount of experience along with several starters like corner uh, Kalen Carson and safeties Chellen Garns and Malik uh, Mustafa. But at the same time, 
when you talk about this Wake Forest defense, it is always the Achilles heel of this team. 92nd last season in 400 yards per game. So when it comes to the Demon Deacons, they're making a lot of transitions at, obviously, quarterback. Do have some... Do have some parts returning, but where are you looking at for Wake Forest? So I listened to, um, I forget the guy's name, but he was on with Bud Elliott in the summer school episode they mm-hmm. do about Wake Forest. And the reporter, the Wake Forest reporter was like, there's a lot of talk around here that they don't expect a, a giant drop off from Mitch Griffs. They are so confident in that slow mesh like style system that they think any capable quarterback can make it work. Maybe not to the level Sam did. Went to six, right? That's the best number I can get. Yeah. I'm going to take the over. I think six, they can at least get to six, and I got push insurance because I do think they're going to start off 4-0. The schedule sets up for 4-0. Home against Elon, home against Vandy, at Old Dominion. Don't sleep on that game, though. And then home against Georgia Tech. They should be 4-0. And then if you're saying I can get – all I got to do is get two more wins the rest of the way, I think they can squeak two wins in for – to at least push it. Some something I'm rushing to bet or anything, but I would lean over before under. Yeah, I lean over. I'm not sure how quick I am to bet it. Obviously Griff ha- Griff's having the experience in the system does help and what you do return at your cor- or at your wide receiver does help especially with this system. But also like there is some reason for worry, especially like when we did talk about the defense. Like, year in, year out, they're not that great, and like now you're you're replacing a quarterback that's started for you for five years. So, but I do lean over. I'm gonna bet on the system. Over to the Syracuse Orange win total sitting at six and a half. Basically, consensus on all three. ACC odds sitting at plus 8,000. So for the first six games and first half of the Clemson game, Syracuse was 6-0 and and up 21-10 to on Clemson in Death Valley. They would proceed to lose 27-21 to and go 1-5 and to end the season. How do they prevent that from happening? So at quarterback... They bring back dual threat Garrett Schrader, who was solid last season going 205 for 317, a completion percentage of 64.7, threw for 2,640 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 7 picks while rushing 149 times for 453 yards and 9 TDs. He will be. He will need to step up as a passer to take Syracuse to the next level, in my opinion. I know the numbers look good, but you need to hit that like three thousand mark if Syracuse wants to do some damage in the ACC, in my opinion. Uh, there will be a huge hole to fill at running back with Syracuse. Syracuse's third all-time leading rusher, Sean Tucker, gone. LaQuint Allen will try to fill those hole or fill those shoes after being the number two all season and showing flashes in the bowl game when Tucker did sit out. Leading receiver Aronde Godson 
is back at his hybrid wide receiver tight end spot after breaking out last season and going for 969 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, before that, he only had 24 yards in the season before, so a huge breakout for him. They also bring back wide receivers Damian Alford and Tabor Pena. They have some questions on the offensive line. Returning only guards Christopher Belich and Kalen Ellis. They all they did add transfers Joe Moore from Richmond and David uh, Wallaback from Kentucky, who should be filling some of those holes. Uh, one of the th- biggest things not really talked about last season was how good Syracuse's defense was. Uh, they were. 20th in the nation uh, in yards per game. Just completely under the radar, but just a phenomenal team last season. Uh, the defensive line returns a couple starters in Caleb of Chekwu and Keon. And Ke- Damn, starting to struggle with some of these names. It's been a long episode. Uh, Kavon. Darton, they also have some other experience coming back on the defensive line because they do switch in and out a lot. At linebacker, they did lose Mikel Jones, but they do have leading tackler Marwell Wax back and other starter Derek McDonald. So hopefully not much drop-off at linebacker. The secondary was the backbone of this defense last season, finishing 14th in the nation in passing yards per game, averaging only 184.8 passing yards per allowed per game. There will be a good amount of turnover as both corners, Jarrett Williams and Deuce Chusnet, along with safety Jihad Carter, are all gone. Deuce Chestnut and Jahad Carter both hitting the porter portal and Garrett Williams ended up going to the NFL draft, leaving safety Justin uh, Barron and Elijah Clark as the only returning starters. They did get Jeremiah Wilson back, who was a backup corner who had entered a port had entered the portal, but now after all the turnover at the cornerback position, he is back and will likely be a starter for them this season. So, when it comes to Syracuse, where are you leaning by? I have this one was this was probably one of the harder ones for me. It it, it, it honestly was cuz they were not a bad team last year. It was they you know who they reminded me of was Ohio State in basketball. Riding high all season, you're about to knock off a very highly rated team. You end up losing it, and then your season completely falls apart. You probably couldn't have nailed that any harder. I was literally really? thinking about it as Seriously. I was doing this breakdown. They were literally the Ohio State of football. Yeah. Ohio State basketball team of football. But And really outside of that um, Florida State game, they were at least competent in most of the games they were playing in. Mm-hmm. It just... Obviously, that obviously there was that fluky Purdue game that they could have also easily lost. Oh yeah, and probably should have. But like for me, 
I lean over, but also I'm a little bit hesitant because, like, what if Syracuse just turns back into a potato? <laughs> and Dino gets fired. He's still, I think I picked him three years ago to be the first coach fired. Yeah. Still riding high. I mean, and, and like, I think we talked about it in the Guy Talk episode, like, the season yeah. saved Dino. I'm going to go under. I think I think they go bowling, though. I do think they'll go bowling because they have four wins on that schedule. They sh- I think they should win. It's Colgate, William & Mary, Army, and then probably BC. Yeah, like BC at home. Mm-hmm. I know you like BC a little bit. We'll get to them. But I think they go bowling at least, but I'm not, I'm not betting you over anyway. Next to the Virginia Tech Hokies, win total sitting at five on DraftKings and a five and a half on FanDuel and Caesars. ACC odds at plus 10,000 on DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, so with Virginia Tech, last season was very bad and was very close to being even worse. They had a bunch of turnover or portal turnover. So how well will this season go? Uh, at quarterback, Grant Wells had subpar season last season, last year only completing 59% and having nine touchdowns and nine INTs. He did have a lot of protection issues and ended up getting sacked 30 times, which, I mean, when you don't have time, like you're not going to be able to do much. Uh, and they did bring in Kyron Drones from Baylor, who will try to push him for the starting spot. So, like, a little bit of questions at quarterback, like, is Grant Wells the guy or is this transfer that we got the guy? Uh, Leading rusher Keyshawn King and number two rusher Jalen Holston are both gone, uh, leaving Malachi Thomas with the most returning yards at running back with 146 yards last season. Uh, They did add transfer. I'm going to try to say this name right Bashul Tutin from NCANT, who looks to be the starter. And I'm telling you, dude, watching some of his highlights, wrecking ball. He is electric. I cannot wait to, like, he's the one spot on Virginia Tech that, like, I can't wait to watch when he gets into the Power Five. Uh,. The wide receiver room is going to look totally different as leading receiver Caleb Smith transferred out and Allie, or I'm sorry, Allie Jennings from Old Dominion, Daquan Felton from Northfolk State, and Jalen Lane from Middle Tennessee all transfer in and are probably going to push for time because there's not really much left from that receiving core. Uh the offensive line was an issue last season and looks like it could be more of an could be an issue again. Parker Clements and Caden Moore are the only returning starters and they will be asking from a lot asking a lot of unproven players to be starting. So like it was a trend last season that their offense struggled and like other than the transfer at running back, like I'm kinda worried about like, are they going to be able to move the ball at all? Um, the defensive line has some questions as they only return tackle uh, Noral, Pow- or Noral Pollard, uh, 
Uh, but they do have depth at tackle thanks to uh, Mario Kendricks and Joshua Fuga being back. Uh, the biggest question is at edge where you have no returner that has had more than two sacks. So you have not much production coming back on that defensive line. At linebacker, they do return Keontae Jenkins and Allen Tisdale. They also brought in tra- transfer, great name, Stone Schneider from VMI. Uh, the secondary does have some potential. Corner Dorian Strong and safety Nazir Peoples return as starters. Cor- or corner uh, Manson Delane is back after showing a lot of pr- uh, promise as a freshman and will be asked to be more of a starter. Uh they also brought in transfer uh, Derek uh, Canteen from Georgia Southern. So, like I said, it, it, you probably heard it with how many times I said the word transfer, transfer, transfer. There's a lot of people that are going to be transferring in, transferring in and having to be immediate starters. So, when it comes to Virginia Tech, what are you looking at? This one's another tough one here. I will say, I hope that they can kind of start turning things around. I think college football is better. The product that whole is better when Virginia Tech is good. It's just a team that we kind of grew up with. They were always fun and exciting and always pushing for an ACC title. I will say when I like their look at their schedule, some of their second-tier level ACC games, they all got them at home. Like Pitt's at home, Wake Forest is at home, Cuse is at home, NC State's at home. It's kind of worked out for them that like Louisville and Florida State, I think they were going to probably lose regardless and they're on the road. So just get those games out of here for a win total perspective. I'm going to, I think five, I think five is the actual number that it is. I think they're five and seven, but I'm going to go under here. I think it's four and eight's a little more likely than going bowling, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm on the under five and a half. Uh, Just like, it's so hard when you're completely changing a team over from transfers. And also, like, with some of the teams that have tried to do it, they're doing it with higher potential transfers than what you're getting at Virginia Tech. No offense to Virginia Tech. Like, you did work in the portal, but you might not be getting the same caliber of portal players that other teams are getting. But also, just, like, looking at the schedule... Like, Old Dominion, that's not going to be a very easy game for them. Purdue, like, that's going to be tough. I've tossed that up as a loss, to be honest with you. At Rutgers, honestly, if Rutgers beats them, would it surprise you? No. At Marshall. Yeah, that's a tough one. Marshall's a stingy team. They're making the jump up in conference. So, I mean, like, looking at the non-con and then, like, in the ACC, I don't really know what to expect, so... I'm on the under five and a half. I feel like if I was Virginia Tech, why wouldn't you just start the Baylor transfer? Like, is this, if you throw all these transfers in here, you have a senior in Grant Wells. Like, I'm assuming with all these new guys, you're basically looking towards the future anyway. Like, why not give this guy some reps and have him be your starter next year? I don't know. No, I mean, I'm kind of on board with that. Like, what have you really seen from Grant Wells that, like, proves that he – like deserves to be the starter to my team, the Boston college Eagles win total consensus on all three at five and a half. 
ACC odds at plus 15,000 on Caesars. Uh, could this be a make or break season for Jeff Halfley? One of the biggest questions for this There team. is no bigger fan than Jeff Halfley than you. Dude, there really isn't. Dude, that one year at Ohio State. like Connor loves him, Jeff. I understand we had Jeff Akuda and Chase Young, but God damn, was that defense so good? That team deserved to. I mean, he'll get a coordinator that job team, in a that second. That team deserved to have gone up against LSU. Yeah. Am I wrong? Uh, what? If he would get let go, of BC, he'd get a like that. He's oh, I would, I, I would be pound, I would be pounding the table if I was Ryan Day to bring him back. Yeah. Like I understand you have Jim Knowles in there, but fucking get find a role. Yeah. So, somebody will get him as a defensive coordinator. Who knows? Even a lower level team might bring him in as a. Well, head even coach. to get a yeah a head coach more like BC's not easy to win at. No, it really by is any means. Not. It's no. a very hard job. It is. It is. Uh so obviously when we talked about Pitt, Filzerkovic hit the portal, and now. Emmett Moorhead will be the starter after playing throughout the season and eventually taking over at the starter for the Duke game. Last season, he went 115 for 192, 60% completion, 1,254 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 6 INTs. He is a giant. Yeah. He is huge. 6'5", 245. Yeah. Like, prototypical NFL quarterback. Yeah. Size. But yeah, he he definitely there. I which one was it? Uh, oh yeah, the Notre Dame Notre Dame game. Don't watch any highlights from that one. Watch any of the other ones. Um, I know that Duke game. Like they came close to pulling off the upset. And I believe he had, he had four touchdowns in that game. I can't remember. I didn't have it pulled up. Um, now normally when I talk about teams like you can kind of see that i keep a flow changing it up here uh i want to talk about the offensive line because last season it was flat out bad they finished last in rushing yards per game last season at 63.2 yards per game and they finished 126 in sacks a lot bad not good um, so for this season, they do return starters, uh, tackle Ozzy Trapula and center Drew, uh, Kendall. There are also several players who will be forced to make or that will be asked to start that only ended up making one start last season. Like if you look, I think it's on, uh, yeah, if you, if we're using our Lindy and our Athlon. And, I mean, if you look at the offensive line for Athlon, it's like like seven different people that they have highlighted as returning starters because they started one game because injuries got really bad. Uh, they did add, transfer Kyle Hergel from Texas State and Logan Taylor from Virginia. Hopefully... The offensive line will be better. It needs to be in order for this team to go anywhere. Uh, leading rusher Pat Garwo is back after only having 403 yards last season. The season before, he had 1,045 yards. It, that That's mostly on the offensive line. 
the offensive line for the run game was not getting any push, and he was getting hit in the backfield before he really got any opportunity to take off. Um, I will say, even though the offensive line was bad, the way they found a way to get the ball in his hands, he they he did show great work in the passing game, having career highs with. I know it doesn't sound like that much, but 29 yards for 241 yards. To see that work in the passing game that wasn't there really before with him, like it was good kind of realizing the deficiencies that you had in the offensive line, but hopefully the offensive line will be better and he will be able to tear it up. Uh, Losing Zay Flowers obviously will be the biggest part of BC's changeover. I mean, there's... I I can't say enough about how much Zay Flowers meant to this offense. He, the work that he used to do after the catch was exceptional. Him in the open field was exceptional. He made so many plays, and there were a lot of times that even as a wide receiver, he put the team on his on his back. Now, replacing him will obviously be tough, and you also did lose number two. Oh, and I just want to say, the fact that Zay Flowers on the Ravens still irks me. Um, But number two wide receiver Jalen Gill is also gone. So that leaves Joseph Griffin, who has shown flashes, and also Dino Tomlin, who is Mike Tomlin's son, will be asked to... Step up. He really did show some flashes throughout the season. Um, along with, in my opinion, my the favorite wide receiver out of this whole group, uh, Joseph Griffin, sophomore wide receiver, former five uh, four star, was the number fifty two wide receiver in his class last season. He had eight only eighteen catches for two hundred and thirty four yards with five touchdowns. But the one thing he really did was he showed. A lot of connection with Emmett. Once Emmett took over as the starter, he, uh, if you really watch that Duke game, that was the game that he went off. And then in the NC State game, Emmett had all the trust in him to throw. It was his, literally his stat line was one catch, one yard, one touchdown. But it happened to be the game winner, that won the NC State game. So he's shown a lot of promise. So assuming the offensive line can protect him, hopefully BC's offense will be better. Line returns only two starters. But the good news is they do return uh, star defensive end Donovan. I'm not even going to good, good luck, man. I am not. Can uh, I try it? Uh, we'll, do, we'll call him D.E., uh, who finished fourth in the ACC in sacks with eight and a half. They also return uh, Cam Horsley at defensive tackle. At linebacker, they return two starters in Cam Arnold and Vinny De Palma. I think I got that. Uh, the secondary will be completely new as uh, corner... Elijah Jones is the lone returning starter as they lost four players to the portal or the NFL. They answered it sort of by doing what most teams do nowadays, going into the portal and getting corners 
Kahari uh, Johnson from Arkansas and Alex Washington from Harvard, as long as along with safety Victor Nelson Jr. from Long Island University. Shout out to Long Island. So when it comes to the Boston College Golden Eagles, where are you at, buddy? I'm. I think I'm with you here. I think because I know you love Boston College, and I'm. I think I'm going to go over here. Um, I think the schedule actually kind of plays out for them fairly well, and I don't. I just do not think this team was as bad as that record says last year. Like now, I really don't. No, I mean they're like, but also it it could have been a lot worse. Obviously, like you lost the Rockers game where I think they were up twenty one to nothing and ended up losing it. Uh, you did. You squeaked one out against Louisville, and somehow squeaked one out against NC State. Very close to beating Duke. Obviously lost, lost to UConn. But obviously UConn, UConn's a little bit different team than what we've been accustomed to. But yeah, I am on the over five and a half. Honestly, it's kind of just because of the schedule. I was like, going to say the same thing, too. Like, you avoid Clemson and UNC. Yes, you have the FSU game, so automatically you chalk that up as a loss. But, like, outside of that, Northern Illinois, Holy Cross, you're at Louisville, Virginia, at Army. That's a weird game. You're well, here, here's what I said. Like, stop it right there. There's a potential to be 4-2 and two right there because I think they get God at Florida State and Louisville. And, but, uh, but also there's – High side, you might be five and one even if you're able to beat Louisville. Depend, don't you give me that fucking look. But either way, even after that, you have at Georgia Tech, winnable. UConn, at Syracuse, which could be winnable. those next four games right there. You just rattled off are all winnable. Uh huh. Then you have Virginia Tech. Now you do end the season with at Pitt, but also kind of a revenge game against Phil Trukovich, yeah. and then you have Miami at home, which that is November 24th in Boston. Yeah, God I think, knows it could be cold as shit and who knows how who knows how much It's a good quit. point though. That's actually a really good point. I yeah, I think Boston College was bowling. I think six wins. Yeah, I think Halfley starts to turn it around a little. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets win total consensus on all three at four and a half. ACC odds if you're feeling adventurous at plus twenty thousand. So the Jeff Collins transition of getting Georgia Tech out of the triple option era was kind of derailed very early. I kind of blame that whole COVID season for kind of hurting it before it even got a chance to start. So now we're in the Brent Pry era, and what what we do? What, I, I it's going to be weird to watch a Georgia it, Tech game. So uh, – Brent Pry's first job is going to be figuring out the quarterback position. Jeff Sims hit the portal heading to Nebraska. That's right. Um, Leaving Zach Pyron and transfer Haynes King from Texas A&M in a battle. Uh, Just uh, Zach played a little bit last season. Uh, He did show some flashes before uh, breaking his clavicle. Uh, King had obviously showed some ups and downs at A&M, but was still a highly touted recruit. Apparently from the Georgia Tech people that I listened to, 
basically on Bud's summer school thing. Says Pyron kind of has the slight lead being in, like, being there already. So, uh, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, leading rusher Hassan Hall is gone, but they do return number two, Dante Smith, and will be asking for more from uh, Jamie Felix, who was kind of like third back last season. Uh, they did add transfer. Trevon uh, Cooley from Louisville, who did rush for, who has rushed for 700 yards in his career, obviously could add some juice to the running back room. Who knows? Maybe they'll go back to the triple option. Um, Georgia Tech did lose its number one and number two wide receivers in Nate McCollum, who transferred to UNC, and Malachi Carter, who was he wasn't drafted. Oh, he. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did uh, get picked up by the Bengals. Who day? Uh, Malik Rutherford looks to be filling uh, McCollum's shoes, but outside receiver took a bit of a hit when uh, Leo Blackburn tore his HCL, like, I think 18 months or so after he tore his his ACL in the other leg. they did add Chris Lane or Chase Lane from Texas A&M, Abdul Jahin or Jani from Duquesne, and Christian oh Christian Leary from uh, Alabama and Dominic Baylock from uh, Georgia. And they also did add two tight ends in the portal. I'm not going to keep rattling off names when it comes to Georgia Tech, but a lot of questions all over that offense. I really don't know what to expect from the offense. Uh, the defensive line does return three of four starters in tackles. Daquan Douse and Marquise Scott, along with Edge uh, Kyle Kennard. But they do have to replace uh, Keon White, who was, I think he was drafted in the second round. He, Yeah, fringe uh, first or second round guy who did have seven and a half sacks last season. At linebacker, they did lose both leading tacklers, uh, Ellie and Thomas, but they did add Andre White from Texas A&M and Braylon Alver from Minnesota in the portal to kind of be quick fills for the for those holes. Uh, four or five starters in the secondary are back, including nickel KJ Wallace, corner Miles Sims, and safeties. Michael Brooks and a healthy Jalen King. So there kind of seems like mate because of what you're returning in the secondary. And I mean, LaMiles Brooks was a hell of a safety last season for them. But like secondary do turn return a good amount, return a good amount on the defensive line. Obviously in the middle, you're dependent on transfers. But when it comes to the Georgia Tech you're already shaking your head. I didn't there, even, there's I I I didn't even get a chance to finish. I would be utterly shocked if this goes over four and a half. That's kind of my opinion here. We'll, I'm gonna rattle off five games here. They're not beating Louisville, Ole Miss, Clemson. Sorry, um, and then obviously they get screwed every year. They have to play freaking Georgia. Yeah, can they? If I'm Georgia Tech, I'm trying to say, hey, can we change rivals? And then I'll put UNC in there too. I don't think those are. Those are five games they're not going to win. You're going to tell me this rest of the schedule they're going to win, they're going to go five and two. 
I I can't get on board with that. It's the first it's the first real season, a lot of moving pieces. If they went five and two in those games, I'd be shocked. And I don't think they're picking any of those guys off. Yeah, it's not an official bet for me, but I do lean under four and a half. I also like Georgia Tech, like the school. And for some reason, I've always rooted for them. Would love them to be good. Just, I don't see that. I actually kind of love that under. All right. Next, we're heading to the Virginia Cavaliers. Win total, kind of a consensus on all three, three and a half. ACC odds, if you're feeling adventurous, plus plus 20,000. So, disappointing season last year. Yeah. Here is a tweet from me. Literally, um, it was a year ago yesterday, July 7th, 2022. Drop your hottest take for the 2022 college football season. My tweet, Virginia starts the season 7 and out. Um, they started off two and five. Not one of my best takes, but I'll eat it. Yeah. Um, uh, it turns out you really need an offensive line in college football. So obviously, in my opinion, last season, no school went through more than Virginia. They had the trans transition from, uh, Bronco Mendenhall leaving and Tony Elliott coming in and, the transition went south very, very, very fast. And then you had the unfortunate death of three players. So how can Virginia recover? So obviously when we talked about NC State, we talked about Brendan Armstrong, who had left Virginia. And they may have gotten their next starter in the transfer portal in Tony Musket from Mammoth. Shout out Mammoth. Uh, who went 143 for 223, a completion percentage of 64.1%, threw for 1,997 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 8 INTs, while also running 65 times for 210 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, like, making the jump from Monmouth to Virginia, like, so, so was he hurt? Because when I was looking up his stuff, I was like, those numbers do not just, they don't jump off the page. Like, as for a guy going from FCS to FBS. Well, I think if uh, if I looked had looked correctly, they're very, very balanced offense because I'm pretty sure they're uh, run, if I was looking at the stats right. You're telling me you're not well-versed on I, I football? I apologize for not being up to par on Monmouth football. I mean, I didn't even know that they had a football program. Do you know what conference they play? Oh, God. Nope, I didn't. It's the Colonial. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, No, so yeah, I was right. So their running back did run for 1,722 yards. So yeah, they ran a very balanced offense and obviously if your running back runs for damn near 200 less than what your quarterback threw for you're trying to keep it balanced so making the transition like that's gonna be a tough ask but he's he's had success he there were a lot of teams that were trying to get him in the portal Mm -hmm. so uh the strength of the team though will be running back as they return starters paris jones and number two, Mike Hollins, who I believe is one of the student or one of the one of the players that 
was recovering. I, if I remember correctly, though, he's been cleared after being shot. So, uh, and they also bring back number three Xavier Brown. They also, for no reason, well, I shouldn't say no reason. There's always a good reason to add depth at running back. But just because they could, they got Kobe Pace from Clemson out of the portal. And they also get Ahmad Foston back healthy. So there's a lot of reason for optimism from the running back position, which like if you could keep it balanced like what uh, Musket is used to at Monmouth, you could find some success. Uh, wide receiver is a big question. I know last year I talked about that they had one of the best wide receiving cores in the nation, but they ended up losing uh, their top four receivers, leaving a bunch of players that have been waiting behind them. They did also add uh, Malik Washington from Northwestern in the portal. Uh, the o offensive line was a big question last year, and it's probably going to be a big question again as they only return center Ty Furnish. But they did add transfers Ingana Nanana from Houston, Brian Stevens from Dayton, and Jimmy Christ from Penn State. So I know that last year they tried to do portal players to fill the offensive line. Kind of looks like they're trying to do the same thing. But like I know that last year they were trying to do it with offensive linemen that were making the move up. You're getting a guy from Houston and a guy from Penn State. Like, obviously, like, you did bring in one from Dayton, so he'll have to make the jump, but the other two have played at this level. So there is, like, a little bit of reason that, to think that they can be better, but I really hope that the offensive line isn't as bad as it was last season. Uh, on the defensive line, they do return all four starters, including uh, Edge Chico Bennett, who led the team with seven sacks last season, was an absolute stud. Uh, they did lose leading tackler Nick Jackson at linebacker, uh, but James Jackson should fill in the fill in his shoes after being a being a solid backup. Uh, the secondary returns a lot of depth at safety and starters. Antonio Clare and Jonas Sanker. They did lose corners Ventral Cypress and Anthony Johnson, so they will need some players to step up. So when it comes to the Virginia Cavaliers, I'm just going to say it. I'm going over, and it's just out of respect. I was literally okay. So what I was going to say is I no matter what I pick here, I'm rooting for Virginia. The whole country should be rooting for, exactly. for Virginia. But when it comes to making a bet, I'm just not going to bet on it. I would probably lean – I will I'll, I'll take the over, too. I really think finding four wins would probably be hard. It, it, it's going to be a long season. But, man, it's, everybody should be rooting for this team. Exactly. And if you get got by them and it's your own team, at least it was them that did it to you. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. All right, so that is the breakdown of – all of the teams in the ACC. So now we have our ACC breakdown questions. Cody? Where do you want to start? 
We're going to start with the top seven quarterbacks. All right. So, in my opinion. Are you rattling off? I think. Are you going to do like one by one? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I thought. I think we went back and forth. Okay. So, you got go number one. All right. Now, I'm I'm concerned if you have anything different from this. I don't. I, we share a brain, so I think I think the top three is easy. Yes. So why don't you just rattle, or we'll rattle off the top three together? Drake May. Drake one. May. Jordan Travis two. Riley Leonard three. Yes. Yes. Um, and I know it's crazy to like. Think, well, I texted you, and I was like, "Is this am I crazy that Riley's probably third here?" And literally, you texted me that, and then I started doing. I'm like. Fuck, he's third. He is third. He's yes. third. All right, so now at number four, who do you have? I have Brennan Armstrong. Wow. Brennan Armstrong is really good at football and had a bad year. Did you not have him in your top seven? I did not. I think that's a miss. I think Brennan Armstrong's really good when he has protection. So at number four, I'm probably going to shock you. It's Jack Palmer. See, I didn't have Plummer in there. See, the reason why I have him so much higher on my list is because he's going into a system that he has been in. That's a good point. For th- he was there for, with him for three seasons. So for that reason, I gave him a slight edge. Who do you have at five? I'm going to hate this one. But I actually think this guy's not too bad. I have Garrett Schrader at five. I, Garrett Schrader did not make my top seven. But it was so hard for me to just like, who do I move out? Like every, it seems like every time I watch him, the dude's always productive. He moves well in the pocket. He throws a really good ball. Now he's going to be asked to do a lot more without not having Sean Tucker. But I'm a big Air Trader fan. So at five, I'm probably going to shock you. I have Kate Cublet. I put him at, we'll get to him, but. Here's the thing. He, out of. Outside of maybe Drake and Travis, he may be the most talented quarterback. Yeah, and that would it shock me if he's at two or three at and the now, end of this season? Now you're giving him Garrett Riley. Yeah. So like, if everything goes right for Clemson, it's going to be because this kid is what we what we thought he was. Who do you have at six? At six, I put Dracovich. Okay. A healthy Dracovich. The problem is he can never stay on the damn field. Kind of a shocker at six. I have Tyler Van Dyke. I yeah yeah he wasn't even on my radar. Yeah, I just think I think. It's, granted, so, sorry to interrupt you, but granted, I'm you're doing what I did with Brandon Armstrong, mm. taking the guy that had a bad year last year, but the year before like showed so much. Well, promise. no, and it's more that now like. The offensive system is moving to the air raid. And plus, I just think getting rid of Josh Gaddis as your, your offensive coordinator will help him. Yeah, okay. So that that's kind of where I'm at with it. Who's your seven? I, this is where I put Klubnik. Okay. It was like I needed to include him because obviously the talent's there, but we haven't seen anything. And what we saw last year wasn't did not go very well. But at the end of the year, if he's the second what I put on this list, I, wouldn't, I would be shocked if he plays better than Drake May. But it wouldn't shock me. So at seven, I have Phil. Okay. So that's why it was kind of hard to keep, like, put Garrett in or put, uh, who was uh, uh, Brendan in there. 
So it was, I think Burton should be there. Uh, it was tough. It was tough. But again, our last taste of him was not great. Who is the team that you are buying stock in? I mean, it's going to be Louisville, obviously. Though. Damn it! Like it has to be that. Like this. But here's the thing: it's it could only be for this season, though. Like the schedule just set up so perfect for them. And I think Jeff Brom's a hell of a football coach, and I think they'll be the team is going to go in the right direction. Instead so you're of, kind of doing it. So Louisville was my team too. I'm not just doing it like you kind of sound like you're doing it for the short term because of the schedule. I'm doing this for the long term, and I'm like kind of getting it at its lowest because I just think the Jeff Brom system with the support that the fan base has for him before he has even coached a snap for them. Like, I think there's something brewing there that can eventually pop off. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden, like Louisville is like one of the teams in the class of the ACC. So I think there's real opportunity there. I know they have a good NIL backing. So, I, yeah, it's easy. Who is the team that you are selling stock in? This is... I'm still in soccer, Miami. I'm, I, it's more of the, I'm just tired of hearing about it and how it's going to be, it's going to be better. We got this guy in here. We fired offensive coordinator. This We're going to make the jump this year. Like, no, I think this is what Miami, like water levels itself out, and that's what Miami is. Like, you're supposed to be nine, eight, seven wins. That's probably your, that's where the program really is. It's not back into the 90s where you're winning titles every year. So my team... And it's kind of like I'm just selling them right now because they're at their highest because of how they've been the last couple seasons. But I'm selling stock in Wake. It sucks. Wake has been a team that I have loved the last couple seasons, but it's just I, I, I worry how much of that was Sam. Sam is so damn talented. There's a reason why when he hit the portal, like, all the sirens were going off like this kid could go wherever he wants and turn any team into a contender. So I'm a little bit worried about the drop off. So I'm kind of just selling. I'm not selling all of my wake stock because I still. Oh, sorry. I still love them, but I'm just selling like kind of the money that I've made off of them. So who is your first coach that you are that you think is going to be fired? To be honest, I don't really think anybody gets. I wrote the same thing, but then I tried to keep it to like, all right, somebody will end up probably getting fired. But I put down Jeff Halfley. Like, if he's the first one that's fired, it won't surprise me because maybe Boston College's season just completely. I know it's only his second year, but if VT wins three games again, the fans are that's a that's a very avid fan base. Like Brett Pry could be. His seat could get very hot. God, could you imagine what would happen? Like, they would be wanting to get Shane Beamer. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my God, they would. Um, He's not leaving there to go back. No, I don't think so. so. I don't think so. Uh, Who is your conference championship? I'm going to say, I mean, (laughs) for show purpose, I'm going to do it. It's Florida State and Clemson. They're the best two teams in the conference. I'm just saying... Again, the schedule is really easy for Louisville. I like that bet at that value. But honestly, they're not going to get there. That's why it's 15 to 1. 
It's Clemson, Florida State. They're the yeah. best two teams. Yeah, They're gonna that, win ten games. Yeah, that's that's the same one that I have. Uh, so if the ACC were to have a Heisman finalist, who do you think that? Was, has? Did you say that was the same one? Okay. Yeah, I, I I didn't really have anything to add. This one's probably gonna be the same too. I have Jordan Travis. Damn. Yeah, like I figured we were gonna have it, but I think he has. Like I guess you could say Cade because it's always gonna go to somebody the team successful. Yeah, it's and like I understand why Drake May's odds are what they are, but team success it seems to matter so damn much when it comes to this Heisman. Yeah, like and honestly, if I think if Johnny wouldn't have won it if he didn't beat Alabama either, that was like a giant part in why he ended up winning it too. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no signature win here that's gonna get him over the top. So, who is your newcomer of the year in the ACC? Uh, well, what are the odds we go three for three here? I'm going Jaheim Bell, Florida State. Oh, I'm a little bit different. Oh, really? I was for sure I stole your dude. Uh, same team, though. Keon Coleman. That's a good team. Just because, like, he's a wide receiver. Um, do you want to know who my first newcomer of the year was? Who? Vernon Armstrong. <laughs> and then I forgot. I'm like, well, he's not really a new. <laughs> he transferred, but it was in conference. No, it, honestly, if there's another one that I would like to say, it's Jack Plummer. Yeah, that's a good one, too. So, yeah, so that is the ACC. Next week? Next week, Big Ten, right? Yep. Big Ten. All right, that was a long one. Glad you guys hung around for that. So we'll see you guys next week. Peace!